Well, today I want to speak about the cross. Why do we preach the cross? I have uh, one verse to read to you. And this verse is found in Galatians chapter 6 verse 14. Galatians chapter 6 verse 14. We read, But may it never be that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. There are those who say, just preach Jesus. Satan is content with the preacher who proclaims Jesus as a good man. Or even the best man that ever lived. And if the preacher leaves the cross out, Satan is very happy. He leaves the blood that was shed on the cross. Satan is excited and happy. And any preacher who delivers this message... About Jesus that he was a good man. Or the best man. His message, I tell you right now, is incomplete and void. Paul uh, writing in Romans 1.16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first. And to the Greek also. And what is the center of the gospel, which is the good good news? I say, according to the authority in the Bible, it's Jesus and Him crucified. The cross. The Apostle Paul could well have centered his preaching in philosophy... In the Old Testament law, he was well educated. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. And he could tackle these subjects. He could have spoken about the prophets. The Jewish traditions and practices. And uh, in a social gospel, like uh, the people are, many are preaching nowadays. He could have uh, addressed his problems, the problems of the society at that time. No, though he was learned, he was educated, he was a scholar, he could tackle any problem, any subject given to the Apostle Paul, he could tackle it. He chose to preach Jesus crucified. And God, what? Blessed his preaching. He writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 17, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech. In other words, not in philosophy. No, that the cross of Christ should not be made void. 
And that's what he meant to do. Why do we preach the cross? And first and foremost, because it's never too old to preach it. It never grows old. The story of the cross is always fresh news. You may read the account of the cross in any of the Gospels in just few minutes. And you may memorize parts of the scripture. And you may become familiar with the contents of the Bible. Yet each time you read the scripture, your heart open is open to a new illumination, a new idea, a new thought, a new uh, beginning in your life. And the Holy Spirit, through His truth, reveals something new every time you read the Bible. Isn't that true? You read a book. Take a book, the best book written by the best author written. You read it once, and you put it away, and you don't want to read it again. That would be a miracle if you want to read that book again. But take the Bible, and read, the, the, read one portion of it, and put it away. You see something. Then read another portion, you find something else. Then put it away, and go to that portion again, and again, and again. Each time, you find new directions for your life, and new inspiration for your soul, and new declaration by the Holy Spirit to your life. You know, it never gets old, does it? It's always uh, invigorating to read the Word of God. And you know, I, I encourage you to read it every morning before you go anywhere else. You know why? Because it gives you direction for your life. And establishes your footsteps to go in the right direction as you face this world today. Well, yes, it's an unchanging God. An unchanging Christ. An unchanging Holy Spirit. Unlike the world. This world is changing. You know, there's, uh, you can get excited about a new fashion coming, you young ladies, okay? The new fashion coming. A new dress. Or uh, a new something for the ladies. You get excited about it. Suppose you buy a new dress. And you like it. And you pay a lot of money over, uh, for, for it. And then you go home. You wear it. People, everybody says, oh, what a new dress. And you feel like a million dollars, don't you? Okay. And so on. And you go home. And you know what you do home? You take it and hang it and take good care of it. The first week, second week, third week, you leave it on the table. You don't put it away. Fourth week, it's an old thing. The excitement is gone. Right? You need something else. Men, you buy a new car. You know what you do with it all day long. The very first day you just shine it. You don't want anybody to touch it. You don't want the kids to go in there. No food in the car, right? <laughs> the, the very first week, no food. Second week, only ice cream. Third week, food is on the car. It's changed. It's changing. You buy a house and you worship the house for the first year or so and then it becomes not a novelty. It becomes something old. Everything changes in life. One thing does not change. Jesus Christ, the man of Calvary. Keep that in mind. We have a great Savior who does not change. And what does the Bible say? Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, Today and forever. You know, the one you trusted yesterday, he is not going to walk out on you tomorrow. He's going to be the same for you today, and the same for you tomorrow, and the same for you forever. 
congratulations to those people who have Jesus Christ as their Savior. You have something great. The poet Tennyson, in one of his letters, tells this story. Upon arriving to spend a few days on the Lincolnshire coast with two perfect, honest Methodists. Two perfect, honest Methodists, you know. They invited him to spend a weekend with them. The poet said to, the, to his hostess, Well, young lady, what is the news? Why, Mr. Tennyson, she said, haven't you heard? There is but one bit news, that Christ died on the cross for our sins. That, said the poet, is old news, and new news, and good news. What are you telling me? He's everything. <laughs> you know the story of Jesus called the greatest story ever told. It becomes alive every time we listen to it or read it or go to the Bible to find an answer. When we are in need, where do we go? To the Bible. When we are broken hearted, the Bible uh, comforts us. When you, are, you have a loss, the Bible takes you to higher places and higher heights to get nearer to God. It's the only good news in our society today, isn't it? Amongst the terrors and amongst the bad news that we hear every day, the only good news, it's old, it's new, and it's good news, it's the Bible. Read it, and this is why we preach the gospel. We preach the gospel also, that was number one. Number two, if you remember, out of gratitude. Out of gratitude, we preach the cross because we are thankful. I read about a Christian young man who went to a physician who removed a skin cancer from his face. Few times in life the story goes, uh, you see a man so grateful. He told everyone who would listen how this surgeon and delicately removed the malignant growth from his face and he was freed from its terror. He would say to a person, do you have cancer? Do you know anyone who has cancer? I know a surgeon who can make you well. And he went along all the time preaching and telling the people about this physician, this doctor. Let me ask this question this morning. What would you think of a person cured of cancer that would withhold information and hope for another who was gripped with the same disease and dreaded cancer? Can, would you withhold it? No. Christ, through his death on the cross, has provided a cure for a disease worse than cancer. And that is sin. And that is sin. We try to get rid of it. We try to get run away from it. We try to uh, fix it. We put a band-aid on it. We, uh, we put all kinds of remedies. Take all these things. It doesn't go away. Because sin is in the nature of mankind. Humankind, if you will please. No surgeon, regardless how great he is, can remove this malignancy, and it's what? It's never humanly curable. It is sin. No one can cure it. Society cannot cure it. Doctors cannot cure it. 
All the, uh, all the philosophy in the world cannot cure it. Only Jesus Christ can cure it. The cross of Calvary. And you know, that's why we preach the gospel. Because we have been cured from sin. And we are grateful. I challenge every Christian today. In this place. And I ask you. Since Jesus Christ saved your soul. And changed your life. And cured you from sin. And freed you from the bondage of sin. Have you been telling people about it? Like this man. Who had cancer in his face. And he went along. If you have cancer. I can introduce you to a physician. I know. Have we been doing this? Have we been open about who cured us from this cancer? Are we grateful? So many times we forget. When we go along in life and we live our life and we forget where we were and what we are today. We forget our situations. We are lost completely. And look at each and every one of you. Before Christ and after Christ. Are we? Are we thankful? Are we grateful? We preach the cross because we are grateful. He saved us from hell. From damnation. From a life that was destined to be spent eternity in fire and damnation. Changed us completely. Mm -hmm. What a life. What a life. You know, in Colossians verse uh, chapter 2 and verse 13 and 14, it says there, The Lord Jesus Christ came and went to the cross of Calvary and paid that debt that we owed. We were in debt, all of us. Satan was after us. When are you going to pay that big mortgage? You owe me. And he was holding it in your face. He had a promissory note. When are you going to pay? Suppose, suppose you owed someone $50,000. And you know, and you signed this promissory note. says, on such and such date, on such and such year, I will pay you $50,000. But things didn't go well with you. And when the time came, you couldn't do anything. And you went to that person. And that person said, don't worry about it. The Lord has blessed me in my life. Here, give me that promissory note. He takes it and tears it away. And you are free from debt. What would you say about this person? Wouldn't you go and tell them, I know a person who forgave me, who tore the promissory note. No more debt. And this is what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary for you and for me. And he said, you owe nobody anything. I take the blame. I take your debt. Charge it to my account. And there... He took that promissory note and wrote with his own blood on the cross of Calvary, paid in full. You owe nothing to anybody, but you owe me my life. Oh, I'd owe you anything. And I will go all to all the world around me and tell them what Jesus has done for me. When the man who was found Blind before Jesus Christ. And Jesus opened his eyes. And said, Lord Jesus, I follow you anywhere you go. The Lord said, no. You don't need to do that. But go. 
and tell the world what I have done to you. Are we, with hearts filled with gratitude, are we telling the world what the cross of Christ has done in our lives? May God speak to us about this one. We preach the cross also because it means forgiveness and salvation. I have a story I read, and it's a true story I want to tell you. On April 28, 1958, a young Korean exchange student at the University of Pennsylvania and a leader in Christian affairs on the campus, he was a Christian young man, left his room to stroll down to the corner to mail a letter to his parents. Eleven leather-jacketed teenagers came upon him and without a word, they attacked him with their fists, with blackjacks, and with lead pipes. Then they fled, leaving him dead in the street. The city where this awful crime, Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, took place was shocked and intense. An international incident seemed imminent as the story of this tragic, senseless murder was announced throughout the world. Then a letter was sent from Korea, signed by the parents and 20 other relatives of the student. It was addressed to the law enforcement authorities where the crime had taken place. It read as follows. Our family has met together and decided to petition that the most generous treatment possible within the laws of your government be given those guilty of this crime. In order to give evidence of our sincere hope contained in this petition, we have decided to save money to start a fund to be used for the religious, educational, vocational, and social guidance of the boys when they are released. We have dared to express our hope with a spirit received from the gospel of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who died for our sins and saved those teenagers. Needless to say, this was a Christian family who really showed that why they preached the gospel. There is forgiveness in the gospel. There is forgiveness in the cross. And if you haven't yet experienced that forgiveness, I call you to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior today. That's what we preach Him. There is no forgiveness in no one else. He is the one who can forgive you. If you make a mistake to your mother, she can forgive you. To your father, he can forgive you. And to other people, they might forgive you, but they will not forget. Have you heard that before? Yes. Jesus Christ will forgive you, will forget, will give you eternal life. And for the life to come, you live happily ever after. They forgave their enemies on the cross of Calvary when his enemies were, were mocking at him, spitting at him. And asking him, can't you save yourself? He said, forgive them, Lord, for they do not know what they're doing. We preach the cross. There's forgiveness in it. 
and you haven't been, if you haven't been forgiven of your sins, I will invite you today to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and He will forgive you and give you eternal life. It's a matter of, Lord, I believe you died on the cross for my sins, and I give you my life. Would you please change it? That's why we preach the gospel. We preach the gospel, number four, and last. Because it's a guide for lost souls. Sylvia and I, when we got married and uh, went on, an, on our honeymoon to Europe, and uh, I said, Sylvia, I want to take you to a place where I was before, and that place was Oberamergo, where the passion play of the, of the passion play, the story of Jesus Christ from the beginning of the Old Testament till the Revelation is played every 10 years. I think Lorraine and Walter went and, and visited there. And every 10 years. And we went there in 1959. This is the year we were married. October 2nd, 59. And we went there in October. While people were having Oktoberfest in, in Munich and I, we took her and we didn't care for that and I took her and we went there and we went and sat in the auditorium and it was a year away from playing that passion play. And we met all the players. One of them, the one who plays Jesus Christ and so on and so forth. We, should, we saw the one who was going to play Judas and so on. And then well, they, they, one of the people there in the little town told me, look up there on that hill, mountain. It's a, it's a mountain there. I said, wow, that's a cross. He said, whenever we finish the play after six months every ten years, the people who play that play, the actors and actresses, they carry the cross and go on top of the mountain and they put it there that stays there for ten years and every person who visits here, he, if they want to find where we are, they have only to look for the cross and they will know that this is the town where, played, where we play the passion play. I said, how wonderful. It came to my mind. Oh, as a guide to where they are. As a guide. Is the cross your guide? In the center of downtown London is a famous landmark called Charing Cross. Those of you who have been to London, they know that. It is often called the cross. The story is told of a little boy lost in the London fog. A policeman sought to assist him. Is there any building or monument that is familiar to you that are near your home? He asked. A light came over the boy's face as he said, If you'll take me to the cross. I think I can find my way home from there. And this is our message. If you take me to the cross, I'll find my way home from there. I found my way 45 years ago. I found my way home. The Holy Spirit took me to the cross. And there, I bowed down and gave my life to Jesus Christ. And guess what? I am safely going home. 
That's the message. The preaching of the cross that has guided multitudes. I hope it will lead you safely home today. Just take me to the cross. I think I can find my way home from there. Have you found your way? Have you found your way home? Let's bow our heads. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the Savior. Is He yours this morning? There's someone here this morning who haven't found his or her way home. I invite you this morning to say, Lord, I come. I'm coming home. I'm coming to the cross. And you know who's on the cross. This is what we mean. Jesus Christ and him crucified. If you haven't been there yet, I would invite you to take him as your savior and visit that place and you'll never leave it. Would you like to to Take Jesus as your Savior this morning. If you long to be safe, if you long to meet Him, if you haven't been saved yet, if you can't say, no, I don't have that gratitude in my heart because I haven't experienced yet that cure, that salvation, this is the time for you. You might not have any other chance. Say, Lord Jesus, I come. I take you as my Savior. You died on the cross for me, took my place. I would like to give you my life. If there's someone here today, before I pray and end this meeting, just lift up your hand, I will pray for you. Say, Adel, pray for me. I'll pray for you, as usual. If you want me to pray for you, I'll pray for you right now. Don't let this opportunity pass you by. Say, Lord, I want to find my way home this afternoon. Today. And the Lord will bless you and will bless your life. Our Father, as we conclude this afternoon, this meeting, we thank you for the cross and the Lord Jesus Christ who was crucified for our sins, who died to set us free. I pray with all my heart For any person who does not know you yet, does not know the Lord Jesus Christ yet as his own Savior, to come to you and say, Lord, here I am, coming home. Bless this congregation. Be with those who couldn't make it. We have some sick people. We pray that you visit with them and heal them and bring them back to us safely. As for us, may you continue your presence with each and every one. Those who are traveling, give them travel mercies. Be with them. Those who are going to visit here and there, please be with us. Protect us from any danger and help us to honor you and not to forget.
to be grateful for what you have done for us on the cross of Calvary. Dismiss us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. The meeting is over. Thank you for coming. May God bless you and be with you. Let's not forget to be grateful for such a great salvation that we have. And God bless you and be with you.